the value of investments can fall as well as rise, and losses may be made. With me is Philip Saunders, co-head of multi-asset growth at 91 in London. Philip, I requested this podcast interview because of the recent route of many asset classes. Now, they are, to be fair, short-term routes, and you at 91 are not in the business of short-termism, but... And this is a big but. The fundamentals behind the short-term movements may have medium and long-term influences and consequences. Comment on that uh, introduction, please. Right. Yes. Well, I think they do have consequences. And I mean, essentially, if we, we, we just sort of step back a little bit, you know, this is all about tightening liquidity conditions. And it's all about inflation proving to be less transitory and stickier. And the latest inflation print in the US was very much, you know, it shocked the market because the market was expecting headline inflation to moderate a bit and it did the opposite. Yes. And that means that the Fed is remains in a tightening cycle. Bond markets have reacted to that. You know, that's sort of in an entirely logical way. And the rally that we'd seen previously in equity markets which had been quite a long time coming, it has to be said, has just sort of fizzled pretty rapidly. And that's very typical of price action in the bear market. Rallies tend to be sort of fleeting. Uh, they don't tend to be that convincing. It's sort of a bit of short covering and so forth. And, um, and the primary trend remains negative. So the S&P 500 is sort of back down to, you know, it's down 18.7% since its high on the 3rd of January. Uh, that seems like an awfully long time ago, doesn't yes, it? Yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so we're technically not yet in a bear market by that measure. 20% is the sort of the rather arbitrary sort of barrier. But the price action suggests that um, that we're at least going to test that. And I suspect probably that that will give. So we're in a cyclical bear market. Price action tells you that. In this kind of environment, the data tends to come out in, a, in an unhelpful manner, as was uh, evidence recently, and because it's reflective of uh, a trend towards weaker growth, tighter um, monetary conditions. And of course, obviously, we've got uh, uh, the complicating factors of strong energy prices, which is obviously keeping the sort of inflation fears sort of elevated. Okay, it's been building up for quite a while. In fact, it's been building up since the the low of the, uh, I'll use the S&P 500 as a reference point, in March 2009, I think it was, when it was 666, and then went shooting up to 4,750. The semantics or the details and the decimal points need not detain us. But anyway, it has been building up. So what we've got now is this concatenation of circumstances. And I've just scribbled a few down here, and you've probably got more. Inflation, which equals uh, rising interest rates, finally, and and too late, in my opinion. Then there's the, the small matter of the war. There's supply chain clogging, there's global food shortages looming, central banks' liquidity being withdrawn, all coming together at the same time. You've got more, as I alluded to. Uh, But stagflation is suddenly a word that is on everybody's lips. Suddenly it's very fashionable, but I've been talking about it for a while. Do you think stagflation could occur and we could go back to the 70s? I mean, stagflation is is generally talked about more than it actually happens, uh, if you you look at history. I mean, I think that that, um, that what we've got here is is not really stagflation. Um, it's 
you know, more elevated inflation uh, rates and cyclical weakness in growth. Um, and looking through this, um, I suspect that, uh, you know, we will end up in another growth cycle and talk of stagflation will diminish. Quite often, basically, the, uh, the current narrative uh, is either f- sort of fully in the market um, or it's simply wrong. Uh, and, I, and I think it's probably the latter. Um, but, the, you know, there is uh, clearly on a medium term basis, I suspect that inflation is going to run at a somewhat higher level than was the case in the post global financial crisis period, you know, which might mean inflation averaging in the US something of the order of, you know, 3%, possibly slightly more than that. Um, if that's accompanied by a reasonable growth rate, uh, then, you know, nominal growth in total uh, is you know, is, is higher. And so that's not a terrible outcome. Uh, but the trouble is we've probably get, got to get through a recession, possibly a mild one in the States, more difficult one elsewhere, uh, before we, you know, even approach the sunny uplands of a more positive cyclical picture. I like that phrase, sunny uplands. And that leads me on to how you approach this. At 91 in London, your co-head of multi-asset growth, do you sit down and say, okay, I've got cryptocurrencies on a daily basis going down 14, uh, 15%. I've got the S&P approaching a bear market, the NASDAQ already in a bear market, bond prices getting, getting thrashed. What do you say? Do you say we've seen this all before? Or do you say this time it's different because of the circumstances all coming together at the same time? Not a perfect storm, but very close to it, Philip. Well, I think that it's probably, you know, we've seen a variation of this uh, before. And, you know, here we're talking about a cyclical bear market. We don't know whether there's going to be a sort of definitive shift in the inflation regime, which is obviously sort of more serious longer term uh, consideration. But we don't have to decide that at this particular point in time. Um, And as a longer term investor, you know, at this point, uh, one hopes one is pretty defensively positioned. Um, and, you know, although value is beginning to appear, you know, in quite a lot of places now, um, with the Fed in a tightening cycle, there's no great tearing hurry uh, to accumulate exposure. Uh, so we, you know, remain doggedly um, dug into our trenches, <laughs> not unlike... Um, uh, the Ukrainian army at the moment. Uh, and um, and the thing is to resist temptation to come out too early. Um, but in the meantime, to decide uh, what one is going to buy on a medium to longer term basis and eventually look for those opportunities. But I, think, I don't think we're there yet. I think, um, I, I think this has got a few more rounds to play out. Uh, and, you know, it's... Uh, it's a case of not fighting the Fed, but normally, normally you don't fight the Fed when the Fed basically wants to stimulate. Uh, this time around, the Fed is being forced one way or another to actually stick with a tighter stance, which I think will go on for some time. And so either prices will correct uh, in, in, a, in a rush and we will achieve terminal levels uh, sooner or it will be a more drawn-out affair. Uh, and the all-clear will only be sounded, really, when we see a definitive uh, turndown in inflation rates um, and an end to the Fed's uh, focus on tightening. Just for your last comments, I would say that uh, at best you sound circumspect, at worst you sound a little bit nervous. 
which is something that I haven't heard from you over the last year or so, despite the fact that the, the storm clouds were gathering, Philip. I certainly didn't mean to sound nervous because I think that this is, you know, all part of the ebb and flow of markets. Uh, the narrative tends to differ each time. This time around, we've got obviously the Ukraine crisis. We've got uh, a sort of 70s style sort of inflation spike, which makes it different. But, you know, we've come from a position of overvaluation and complacency. And we are uh, moving to uh, a point at which... Uh, um, positions have been cleaned out, particularly in Bitcoin. Somebody I saw made quite an amusing comment about uh, Bitcoin, mm. you know, comparing it to Bitcoin, uh, the Bitcoin bonanza with the tulip bonanza, mm. the tulip mania back in the 17th century. You know, the comment was at least uh, tulip had an intrinsic value. Yes. Well, I, I don't think we should get into that controversy at the moment because I've got all, all sorts of opinions. And if you get me going on that, I'll make a fool of myself. But essentially what you're saying is uh, there's no reason to rush in at the moment. You're keeping your Tinder dry. Maybe you've got uh, a cash waiting to be deployed, but there's no hurry. You're going to sit and let this thing evolve. Yes, I mean, we're, sh we're, we're basically... Uh, we, we've got low exposure to principal asset classes, equities and, uh, and bonds. And we've moderated dollar exposure somewhat, having been very long, um, because it sort of met our objectives. Um, and uh, I think that that is right. I think that uh, medium to longer term investors, as medium to longer term investors, we are, you know, looking to re-enter those positions with risk premia a good bit higher than they are at the moment. Uh, and I think that if that is the case, then we're, you know, in a good position to wear any sh additional short-term volatility, you know, and make decent return for our investors over the medium to longer term, which is, after all, what we should be about. So this is a time of opportunity, uh, and but it's also a time when we've got to be patient. Philip, thank you so much for your insight. Philip Saunders is co-head of multi-asset growth at 91 in London. This podcast is a marketing communication and is provided for general information only and assumes a certain level of knowledge of financial markets. It is not an invitation to make an investment and should not be construed as advice. The views in this podcast are those of the contributors at the time of publication and do not necessarily reflect those of 91. In South Africa, 91 is an authorized financial services provider.